0: Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done.
1: I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. The most research I do in Dev and Think is on my iPad, not on my Mac, because it gets back to the same PDF problem we talked about earlier. A lot of the reading I do is PDFs. I just open them up on my iPad. They've got rudimentary PDF markup in there. But for most of my PDF markup, I just need highlight and a pen and, uh, you know, get my iPad out, sit in the couch, and I get to work.
0: Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. Back on the podcast is David Sparks, who is last on this podcast for episode 99. David just released a new field guide all about one of my favorite apps, DevonThink. In this episode, we chat about how the addition of the iPad Mini and the M1 Max has shifted his iPad usage, and we dive pretty deep into DevonThink, which I've been using more and more since their big update to the iPad app earlier this year. We also chat a bit about the new focus mode, And if you want an even deeper dive with Max Sparky all about the new focus mode, check out his free webinar, which is on November 10th at 9 a.m. Pacific. There will be a link in the show notes to sign up. You can also get $5 off the DevonThink Field Guide by using the promo code IHEARTTIM. Learn more about that at learn.maxsparky.com. This is something I purchased myself and have gotten a lot of great information out of it, as we'll chat about in this episode. Before we get into the interview, I want to let everyone know that I am selling my Apple Watch Series 5, which just got swapped out by Apple Care Plus. So it is a brand new, never used watch that is still in its protective paper case from Apple Care Plus. The Series 5 is a 44mm gold stainless steel model with the gold Milne's loop that Apple sold for the Series 4 and 5 models. Since the Series 6 came out, this band color is no longer available as they adjusted the color of gold with that series of watches. This band has had minimal use as I only wear it on special occasions. I'm asking $450 shipped, continental U.S. only. Local pickup is also available if you are in the New Hampshire area. The current generation of this combo costs $800. If you are interested, please reach out to me at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. With that, here's my interview with David. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast,
1: David. Thanks. It's uh, my pleasure to be back.
0: And yeah, first off, congrats on the Devon Think Field Guide. I've been really looking forward to it and learning a lot about uh, this awesome app.
1: You know, um, it's an interesting app for iPad users because historically, it just wasn't that good. You know, I mean, they had, it was an excellent Mac app, and then they got a, a big redesign on the Mac at version three, which is when I became really interested in the app because I felt like it really kind of jumped into the modern kind of app um, user interface and and power features. But they also, the whole time, were building out this cloud backend. And once they did that, where you could save your data iCloud, then it was just a question of time before they got cracking on the uh, the iPhone and iPad versions. and And they really have turned it into a pretty powerful application for mobile
0: yeah i've been impressed with it because yeah as you said i tried the their old mobile app and it really didn't work as an ipad user in college i used Evan think quite a bit as we'll talk about once we get into DevonThink think proper but uh it's been a while since i've gone since i've used dev and think and this new app for mobile for ipad it, it's pretty phenomenal
1: yeah yeah agreed i mean i i feel like we just kind of went through this transition there was like the old days where Apps were data centric and they held the data for you. And if at best you could store it on your Macintosh hard drive, I mean, one of the ones that stands out for me like that is Circus Pony's Notebook. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that app or I not. I do, yeah. Yeah. You know, and they tried to get on mobile, but they just never got it together. And one of the problems that was a single developer, he's a really smart guy, but it was just hard to like kind of like bring that forward with everything happening. And there wasn't really a data storage model from Apple at the time. iCloud drive didn't exist. Um, but then there were the, – so the, a lot of those didn't make it. But then I look at apps like DevonThink Think that were like they were a big deal in the olden times. And now they're a big deal now. You know, Daylight's another one of them that has managed to kind of transform itself into a modern application with cloud backup and uh, cloud uh, source data. And then yeah. getting it onto mobile. So – I'm really happy to see these developers that have been around a long time still kicking, you know?
0: Yeah. I was reminded of uh, Mac Heist and just how just how much fun that was back in the, yeah, the, the days remember. of doing this, yeah. tre- this little uh, hunt around the internet yeah. and getting these apps as a result of...
1: <laughs> I feel like the modern version of that for me is SetApp. I know this is an iPad podcast, but right. I, I really like my SetApp subscription because you can go in there every month and there's just new apps that just show up. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Know? For 10 bucks, for me, that's kind of a no-brainer because, you know, spend $10 on far dumber things. But, the um, but yeah, I, I do think that that was a different kind of era for this stuff.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah. And, like, it was such a community thing of, like, trying to find these codes scattered on these websites. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a fun time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before we dive into Devon, thing, I just want to chat a bit about iPad. It's been a, a year and a lot has happened in the world of Apple and iPad and the Mac in this past year. Um, first off, we have widgets finally, and focus mode, and I'm curious, have those things transformed uh, the iPad for you? I know these like customized home screens probably will help people focus even that much more.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, one of the things I like to bang on about a lot is what I call contextual computing, or like getting your devices to go to the work you need to do and not turning them into distraction devices. You know, you hear of so many people that, like, disable their social media or whatever because they feel like they can't work. They pick up the computer and they, like a magnet draws them into Instagram or something. And I do think there are ways around that without you having to delete the apps. And contextual computing is that. And I do think both of those features kind of help along that path. I mean, of course... Um, well, let's just start with the widgets. Um, I I have always wanted in my life like a status board. You know? Yeah, I I just, I just love the idea of it. That I just have a screen that gives me data that's important to me, and the iPad is is the perfect device for that. I mean, the way I generally keep my iPad is I've got um, a, a monitor for my Mac, but it's kind of on a little shelf so it sits higher, you know, getting the right ergonomics. But then I've got all the space underneath. And I have one of those. Um, God, who makes it? It's called the drafting table. I think it's made by El,
0: uh, Elevation. Yeah, maybe
1: Street, it's yeah. Elevation. It's yeah. it's a very nice. It's, this thing you could like kill a man with this thing. It's really <laughs> heavy, and but they they've made a second version of it that now has like a cutout for your camera bump, so it sits solidly on it. And so I keep that underneath the the IMAX screen at a tilt, so it just it's like a natural part of my screen and like so having those widgets there, it's like my own little status board and I, I just love that. Another cool trick with that setup, by the way, is to use Sidecar. Have you ever I'm sure your listeners are are familiar with Sidecar, but um that's a feature they added to the Mac a couple of years ago where you can use an ipad screen as an external monitor yeah and i love sidecar so much because i like i don't have two screens i just have one big screen but like i i'll keep like my year calendar or like if i'm working on a mind map and i just want to have it in front of me all day so i can fiddle in it i'll i'll broadcast that to my eye to my ipad a sidecar and it's just another screen on my mac you know yeah it's it's awesome
0: and if you're using the um the new MacBook Pros that are coming out, uh, the 12.9-inch uh, iPad seems like the perfect external display because it's the only one you'll be able to get with uh, many mini-LED many to go along with it.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But it, it, anyway, I, I got distracted. So I, I really like the widgets. I really hate the way they're organized, like trying to get them where I want them on the screen. Um I feel like that was done by a masochist. It just doesn't. (laughs) Right. You know, it's just like you put them there and they don't stay there. I I guess they've got like a sort order. So like when you move one thing, it causes other things to move. And I think that's entirely the wrong way to do it. It should have been just a static grid. And when you put something in a place, it stays there. And if you put something else on top of it, then it moves somewhere else. But otherwise, it stays there. And I don't like that. Um I don't know yeah. if you're aware or not, but you can reset those in both portrait and landscape mode. So you can change the order. But once you get the order done, it, like you're you're terrified to make any changes because <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen if you put like one icon on there.
0: One thing I do like that they do is if you open a stack, you can just add a widget to the stack rather than turn the dragon on top of a stack. Yeah. And doing that whole scary thing that you're talking about.
1: Yeah. I guess I should use stacks more, but I I really don't use mini stacks. To me, I I just want to see it all, and I don't want I don't want there to be variables. Like I don't yeah. want to look at a place where I think there's always the weather, and then see a picture. I need yeah. to, you know. In my brain, like, the weather's at a certain point on the screen, and every time I click it, my eyes just go to that. Right. So I'm nervous about, like, moving them. But also, like, I am trying to treat it as a status board. So I've got two Fantastical widgets. One, which is kind of the pretty date version, and then underneath that is the large widget with – um, not the extra large, but just the large widget with the the list of today's calendar events. I've got my primary OmniFocus – Um perspective I've got the weather you know so I've really tried to kind of gear it to be that status board that's sitting under my Mac or even when I'm not away and when I'm away from my Mac just working my iPad I open it up and all that stuff is there and I've just got a couple apps and then that's the other thing is I hate the way it renders apps because it's it's it should be giving you more compression with apps but oh for sure you know I mean, but they're getting there, you know, and I I don't believe this is the end story for widgets on the iPad. I mean, the iPad's a big deal to Apple, and I think they got it out the door this year, and I'm hoping that next year it gets more powerful.
0: Yeah. So uh, how have you rejiggered kind of your usage of iPad? We, we now have M1 MacBook Airs and I believe you're getting one of the M1 Max MacBook Pros pretty soon here, and so the Mac yeah. hardware is finally out of those dark days that started in 2016. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good way to, to put the it. IPad. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it did change. It really did change because you know that the Mac now has a lot of the features that only the iPad had before. You know, all day battery. Light and thin, you know, no fans. Well, that's not true for the MacBook Pros that are coming, but yeah, you know, that's the, promotion
0: uh, now. That, that was a shocker
1: to me. Promotion, yeah, I mean, better screens. And so, so they, um, they are, you know, they're, they've closed the gap a little bit. And there's certain things that I do on a Mac that to me are a lot easier to do on a Mac. And so, having a MacBook Air for the last year, or even, you know, being able to do some of those Mac tasks remotely which was something i hadn't done for a long time has been a big boon for me i mean historically i had my my mac at my desk and my ipad anywhere else but the the problems i was running into and i talked about this before on your show but just mm-hmm. the file the file management stuff on the ipad was a real hassle for me because i manage lots of files um you know the day job i'm a, a transaction lawyer so i get sent you know 20 spreadsheets in one email. And then suddenly like, how are you going to manage that on an iPad? They just, Apple just doesn't look at someone like me as an iPad user. But I did have kind of a revelation this year. Um I was talking at dinner with my kids about it because they both have iPad errors. They're both in college and they were just talking about how much they love the iPad and how much it like changes the game for them at school. They don't have to worry about losing papers they both of them use ipad nearly exclusively in class and you know mm-hmm. they um one is on good notes the other's on notability so which is kind of funny to me <laughs> cuz those are the best two and yeah. they both pick different ones but but you know they sit in there with their apple pencil they take notes they love it they're using the ipad the way apple shows it in the commercials you know mm-hmm. and it is flawless for them it does exactly what they need it to do and they do both also have a laptop because you know their dad is max barky so They've got the benefit of both, but they really like the iPad for for moving around. And it got me thinking: Well, how come I'm always trying to push against the edges of what Apple wants us to do with the iPad? And this was right before WWDC, and I said, you know, I'm going to look at WWDC as the barometer. And you know, if they add a bunch of file management power user tricks, and I'm going to keep you know climbing that hill. If not. I'm going to stop being Sisyphus and I'm going to just focus on using the iPad for what it's really good at. And of course they really didn't add a lot of features, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they uh basically set a new baseline for okay, we have multitasking that you can actually use in tablet mode. You don't need a a keyboard to multitask anymore and Yeah. Yeah, they set a new baseline to build from I I think the
1: Yeah, and honestly though what they said was the stuff that we've always said the iPad is good at, we're going to make that stuff easier for you. Yeah. And and I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's what I'm going to do with an iPad now. I'm going to focus on that. And, like, there's a bunch of stuff I do. We did a Power User episode a couple of weeks ago where we went through all the workflows that we we do on iPad, and there were a lot of them. I mean, because now I said on the show, you know, I'm, I'm kind of backing away from the iPad a little bit. I'm not going to try and fight it anymore at these edges because it's really not progressing for me and a lot of people got upset and they wrote me and said well why are you stopping using the ipad the ipad is great i'm like i'm not stopping using it i'm just stopping fighting it and um i'm just focusing on using it for the stuff that it's really good at and now that you've got a laptop that is thin and light and the battery lasts all day i can do that stuff on the mac and uh i'm actually kind of at peace with the ipad now because of that you know
0: yeah yeah. And you can use it for like the focus tasks. That's like, you're just like, let me do some writing. Let me figure yeah. things out with a mind map and just do things that are more iPad-y where you're just doing one kind of thing that you're you know devoted to at that
1: time. Yeah. I mean, like I try to write three or four blog posts every weekend for the week. Um, And then, you know, there's always kind of like news related items that show up on Max Sparky, but there's also kind of more like think type pieces or stuff that you can anticipate. And I usually write those over the weekend. And I just, last night I, I took my iPad with the keyboard in the backyard and and wrote them all in drafts and i mean that kind of stuff the ipad is amazing at and um needed to do a little web research and i could but at the same time it was a fairly you know simple process and that's an example i mean or reading contracts on the ipad i could never do that on the mac yeah
0: yeah and just like going through and with apple pencil marking up pdfs perfect exactly so the iPad mini is now, I believe in your household as well as the 11-inch iPad Pro. Um yeah,
1: yeah, I know. <laughs> so, um It's kind of embarrassing, you know, that I own so much of this gear, but yeah, <laughs> I I got an I I got the iPad mini. I just wanted to see it. We, yeah. We had I, you know, I, I am such a sucker. We I had an iPad that was kind of old, but it was it was an iPad mini It was the old design. It wasn't <laughs> the most recent one, but the the one before that i forget if the new one is g6 right yeah so this was like a g4 ipad mini okay and i took it in apple and they gave me a couple hundred bucks for it so i'm like okay i'm just gonna buy the, <laughs> the new one and uh and i you know the reason that got me and you and i were talking about this before the show started is because i already have that apple pencil that i love and i mm-hmm. just wanted to see what it would be like with kind of like a mini notebook kind of thing yeah and I love this thing, man. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, when I held it at the Apple Store, just, it just my I had a smile on my face. It was just it's delightful. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's a weird feeling that modern shape on something so small. Um, it's also uh, I, I'm still trying to get used to the Touch ID on the button. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wish they had been able to put it in the Face ID because you know the iPad. One of the things I just love about the iPad Pro that I have is man, I just turn it on and it's unlocked i don't it's like you don't think about it and um uh with the touch id you gotta like tap up i mean man what a whining uh i know right? complaint right i mean like you know my dad you know he you know <laughs> when he, he he went to korea you know he had like he had a really hard life and i'm here complaining about tapping on a button to yeah. unlock my ipad so yeah so something it.
0: people talk about is with face id and max it seems like laptops will eventually get that but when i use my ipad and like the hoverbar duo and i'm like back a fair bit using it as like a desktop ipad i have to like lean forward so face id uh is close enough so i'm curious if it actually ever come to you know the desktop form factors because of the distance uh, issue
1: yeah i don't know i get. i mean if we get iMacs next year i think that would be the place you'd put them I mean, it's got a nice thick casing, so you can't complain that there's not enough room in there for it.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, you do have to lean a little bit closer. Uh, uh, you kind of, kind of realize that when you start using your iPad on a stand from a distance. Like, oh, I'm not close. Yeah. Right
1: here. Well, I mean, I think they could tune it, you would think, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Stronger lasers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you have a magic keyboard for the iPad Pro. Do you tend to, like, grab the mini when you're, like, Doing tasks that doesn't need a keyboard, then oh, I need a keyboard and trackpad. Let me grab the Pro.
1: I'm still kind of figuring out what the iPad Mini is in my life. I didn't need it, but I bought it. The uh, before, I was using the G- G4 iPad Mini. I kept it mm-hmm. in my nightstand, and it was my Kindle reader and my InstaPaper reader, and like you know all the stuff I save. And if I go to go and lay in bed and want to read, I would work on it and um, or read on it. And I'm trying to make this more than that. And I got the, um, I got the the overpriced Apple cover for it. Yeah. And so far, I've been kind of just kind of. I have a little like, I have a little bag in the house when I move away from my my desktop station. Yeah. And I am, um, and I I've been carrying that. I've been kind of like switching between the Mini and the Pro. And and obviously, like when I was going to do all those blog posts yesterday, I took the Pro. I wasn't going to try and do that on the Mini. Although that is the easiest iPad to, to thumb type on for me, but I wanted to, you know, use a proper keyboard. But, you know, just for kind of like tooling around the house, I like it. Um, the uh, I had a thing going on um, that I had to deal with some email and, and read a few things. But I promised my wife I'd take her to Disneyland. You know, we have passes. So yeah. I, I just threw my iPad mini in my bag and um, because the screen is so much bigger than my iPhone. And the, my iPad mini does not have a cellular radio on it, but I just paired it to my iPhone. And then at one point in the day, I went off in the corner and got the thing I needed to read and checked it and sent a couple emails off with it. And I, I really liked it, you know. It took almost no weight in my bag, but it was there for me when I needed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, historically... I would bring the iPad Pro for that, but now that's an option for me, you know.
0: Yeah, And the iPad Pro with a Magic Keyboard—it's a little bit heavier.
1: Because it it's like key. a laptop, really. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. Um, so I know you play saxophone, and you've talked about in the past of MIDI saxophone. I'm never—I'm not, sh- not sure if you actually ended up purchasing that or not.
1: Yeah, I did. I got—I got one from Yamaha, and I—I uh, I didn't. I don't have the name, but I'll I'll find the name of it. It's I think it's got a I think it's five hundred series something. And uh, one of the listeners of the show is a is a Yamaha executive and and because I was complaining on the show because I like to play my sax, but with COVID, my kids came home, you yeah, know, and they're like they're going to college up in their bedrooms. <laughs> so like usually I would you know play some modes and stuff in the middle of the day, you know, just in between like projects. But now I mean I I can't you know, they can't have a saxophone going off while they're up there you know in college so i um was complaining about that and the the listener told me about this new um midi sax coming out and it wasn't that expensive so i bought one and i love it because i can just plug it into my headphones and i can play whenever i want and it feels a lot like a sax i mean a lot of these midi saxophones don't you know right i mean i could do a whole rant on this because i've been around long enough to remember you know the original yamaha wx series and and some of them are like toys, but this one is really great.
0: That's cool. Yeah. So
1: so I like it. But I'm also using it you know, with my iPad because the 4Score, um, uh, I don't know if you've got any musicians in the audience. I know you do a little music yourself, right? Yep. Um,
0: yeah, I play sax and a bunch of other woodwinds and was a composition yeah. major.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, 4 is amazing. I don't know if there's any competitor for that app. I mean, everybody I know that does music uses 4 Yeah, that's the
0: go-to in all of, like the music composition apps, like Dorco and Spalius. They, they say yeah. use...
1: Use 4Score. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Have you done the whole thing with the Bluetooth pedals yet? I haven't done the
0: pedal thing yet, no. I've wanted to get a pair because they seem just brilliant to have.
1: I just ordered one. Uh, A listener friend told me that he's using one. It's the um, AirTurn BT200, which is four pedals. And he's not a musician. He's using it with his Mac, and he's just programmed it for the F16, 17, 18, and 19 buttons okay. the function keys and then like he can like do automation stuff on his mac with his feet you know <laughs> like like playing an organ right and um oh, and i just got it and i've hooked it up and like the first thing i did with it was in fantastic l i just changed uh the pedals when i'm in fantastic l via keyboard maestro because if you can program it to be f16 17 18 19 in keyboard maestro you can you can uh, just give a app specific use for that function key and so i did it for day week month and year view so if i tap on the appropriate pedal my calendar changes i mean i don't know if this makes any sense to tell you the truth (laughs) because i could push those buttons just as easily i have an extended keyboard but but the um but the fact that I'm doing it with my feet is kind of awesome, and I'm not sure where this is leading. I'm I haven't written or talked about it publicly because I'm still figuring <laughs> out what it means. But it's kind of fun. But then I also paired it with my iPad, and then when I'm playing music, I can actually turn pages. So it kind of is a it is a multitasker for me.
0: Yeah, I wonder if you could uh, run shortcuts from a, a Bluetooth pedal. Probably, I
1: I could absolutely do that with yeah. the, with the shortcuts for the Mac. Um, you could do it because you can trigger it with a keyboard combo. And then now I've got a keyboard, you know, F16, 17, 18, and yeah. 19. I could probably also make it work with modifier keys. So if I hold down command and then, you know, tap it with my foot. But on the Mac, it'd be, or on the iPad, it'd be harder because they don't have keyboard triggers for shortcuts. But I, I could probably figure it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if you could use the pedals as an
1: alternative to holding the command key. So you hold down one of the pedals. <laughs> yeah, you could. I think you could do that. I mean, it's very programmable yeah um, that's cool it's kind of a weird thing but it, it, at the same time i just kind of now right now i'm just getting over the fact that i sit at my computer and there's a set of pedals at my feet <laughs> right. and my my dog keeps smelling i'm like what the heck is this thing here this is where i sleep what are you doing what's this thing doing here <laughs> yeah uh anything else ipad specific
0: you want to chat about before we jump jump in the
1: devon thing uh, well, we we mentioned focus mode, and I, I really uh, – I didn't have a chance to get into it, but I think it's awesome. And I think that um uh, there's more work to be done on it. This is another one. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they they did – they went further down the road than I thought they would have with something like this. Um, But just because they've gone that far down the road, now I want them to go further. I mean, I, I think focus mode has some limitations, but I think it's an excellent way, especially for people who are iPad users – Um, to kind of get more focused because one of the things you can do on iPad and iPhone that you can't do on Mac is you can have a custom home screen based on your focus mode. Um, for example, when I go to Disneyland, uh, we go often because we have passes. The um, I have a Disneyland focus, and that gives me the Disneyland app, the weather, the clock. Like it totally changes the look of my phone, and then it like blocks out a bunch of people that uh, may interrupt me that I don't want to talk to when I'm having fun with my wife and um and then when i leave it it goes back to normal and all you know all those apps go away and the apps i want show up and i mean that's just a, a simple example but you can really like tune this thing
0: do you um i know the focus mode i have one that's set uh, for watch face changing and you know changing raised wake settings on the watch and stuff do you have the mickey mouse or toy story watch face uh, going yeah. for that one
1: yeah you know that my wife does that one. i am not into that though okay. I, I actually my watch face i but like that's a whole nother show. I am I am so like I'm I'm just not happy with the watch faces. I yeah. wish that they would not have get more, that. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, with the contour face that just came out for the Series Seven, I I have to have a special focus mode for that one because uh, the raised wake is the only way that face actually shines and looks beautiful around the edges. And normally I have raised awake turned off on my watch, so I have a contour focus mode where it'll switch my watch face to contour and turn on raised awake. And then when it leaves, it turns off uh, the raised awake feature and <laughs> so yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. It,
1: it, if you're listening and you're interested in focus mode, I'm going to be doing a free webinar on it. And I haven't set the date yet as we record this in um, late October, it'll be within a couple of weeks, but I haven't set the date yet. So just go to max and it, there'll probably be something there around cool. this time this comes out.
0: Yeah. Um, so Devin Think, uh, my experience was was it was with in college. I had DevonThink Pro Office two, and uh, I had the uh, you know the print shop cut the textbook uh, the binders off of all my textbooks so I could scan no, them. Yeah, you were all in. I was all yeah. in back then. <laughs> yeah. So that was my experience. I had uh, Devin Think Pro Office two, and kind of since college have not used it much, and I I, I have pretty much lost those databases uh, to time. They're somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. My textbooks, thankfully, I they were also my Evernote database. So I um, managed to use um, DevonThink to transfer my old Evernote database into DevonThink. Uh, the Mac app is a really yeah. awesome transfer tool for that. Yeah. So what was your experience with the application prior to diving into the, the field guide and learning more about it?
1: Well, I mean, I was around the fringes of DevonThink for years, and I would try it out. And then like I just felt like it was too creaky for me. And then when version 3 came out, I really... Kind of fell in love with it because it's a lot of things. I mean, that was the weird thing I tried to cover in the field guide is that this Devonthink app it can be a lot of different things. For some people, it's just like a power finder, like you put your stuff in there and you can encrypt it before you sync it. And there's a whole bunch of different categories of metadata. It's got better search, and that's enough. And then there's other people who do research who use it as an AI machine. Like it's just really creepy. How good the AI is in Devon Think. I mean, I I dump all of my legal research stuff in there, and when I do Devon Think searches, it finds things like I was wor- searching for an obscure like legal concept, and it was finding articles that covered it without using the word. And it's like that you don't get that with a Finder search, you know. And um, so it's got the, it's an AI machine for other people, you know. It just it really depends, you know, what you want to do with it. But as I realized how powerful it was and how much much work the developers are doing on it i wanted to start using it more and i use it for a bunch of my file management and and like another thing for ipad users like i always complain on mac power users how you know t- applying uh, tags to files in the um, in the finder app or the files app on ipad is like it's, it's misery because they yeah. don't have a way to search it and apply a specific one and i, I know i've been on this rant on your show before <laughs> but but the um, but for DevonThink is really easy you know so like if you want to um, to create auto filing rules you can apply them on your iPad just as easily as you can on your Mac and by the way they built in now kind of their own home baked version of Hazel right in DevonThink so um, those rules won't run on your iPad but if you're syncing the data to your Mac mm-hmm. from your iPad you apply the necessary tags on your couch, and by the time you get back to your Mac, everything's filed.
0: That's cool. Yeah, and I know the Files app is is just trash for what you need out of a Files app. Uh, does this kind of make it some so you can do some file work from the iPad, or do you still find the Mac yeah. the better tool?
1: Well, if, if it's stuff I put in Dev and Think, absolutely. Yeah, you know, but the um, but you know, and yeah. at least for like tagging metadata management stuff. But like processing is still really hard because you get an email with fourteen attachments. How are you going to get them into DevonThink quickly? I mean there is a right. there is a way to do it, but it's not as easy as command A and drag or command A and, and right click save as, you know? Yeah like, and the Mac email
0: seems to be super easy to get into Dev and Think. The only way I've found to do it on the iPad is you literally drag the email from the Apple Mail app and drop it into Devon and Think, and if you do it that way, it'll import it properly as an email. But that's, I think, the only way to do that.
1: Yeah. So the way I do that largely is on the Mac. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's certain things with email as well that that just make more sense on the Mac. I mean, you can do it. Yeah. A lot and, of stuff like I'm a big fan of the links that you get out of Apple Mail messages. Like they have a, a universal message link system, and if you're listening, you don't know about this. This is like really powerful. So. You can take any message in Apple Mail and you can get a link out of it that's a hyperlink. And you can put that anywhere. You can put it in a calendar event like for today's recording. I took Tim's original email to me with the details for the show and I saved it as a link in my, con- in my calendar item. So as we started to get ready to record today, I just clicked the button and it opened the mail with all the details. Um, but you can also put it in a document or a notes file or whatever. And the beauty of it is those message links – not only work on the Mac, they also work on the iPad and iPhone. So if I had clicked that link on my iPad, it would have opened the same message. All this is awesome. And yeah. getting getting those links on the Mac is really easy. I I created, I wrote a script for it. It's at Mac Sparky, and I attach it to a, a text expander snippet, but you can do it however you want. I also have a version of it that's attached to a Keyboard Maestro script. But you click a button and you've got a link. And so that's awesome. But now on the iPhone and the iPad, it's not as easy. They don't have a way natively in the mail app to just say, save the link to this message. And I wish they did, but the way you do it, the way I've, I've kind of come to do it is um, because I was just doing this yesterday. I had my iPad and I was away from the house and I wanted to save a message this way is I copy the message from the mail app to the notes app. And that generates that link. And then if you just right click on the notes app, hyperlink and say, copy, then you've got the same link you'd have on your Mac, but yeah. And I the-
0: wonder if QuickNotes would be a way about that on iPad. You had a link to the email from QuickNotes, Notes, and then you'd have the link right there.
1: Yeah, I think that would work too. Um, uh, the the problem is Quick Notes is like its own little universe.
0: Yes, yes it is. <laughs> yeah. And something I've found using the iPad version is even think. It's really great for file management and the notes part of it. But the AI robot stuff, I don't think they've spent a great deal amount of time in porting all those things over. Like you were talking about in one of the abilities within search, it has this uh, circle that's kind of like how sure it thinks it is yeah And my version of um, my Devon think doesn't have that circle because I think it's probably syncing that data over from the Mac to add it to yeah. um, what it thinks is going on there and just it's not there for iPad yet
1: yeah and I would recommend for iPad power users to to write the Devon think folks and tell them the features that you want the most because right now you have an opportunity to affect change they are working very hard on making the iPad app you know, an equal level playing field with the mac app but they're super interested in what users want and they you know they've got to choose what they do yeah you know as they're going through this stuff and everything's work but you know you got to choose what you know what features you bring in in what order you bring them so let them know what it is that you want so they can get that feedback
0: yeah for sure so something that the ipad version is it's it's missing some fr- stuff from the Mac, but it also, you know, has some of the pro features that you get with the high-end version of Devonthink. think that OCR conversion is one example of you're yeah. getting kind of pro features in the iPad version, which is, I think, 20 bucks or something like that or 40, depending on which. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's nice. I mean, since releasing the Field Guide, I've heard from several uh, purchasers who are iPad-only with DevonThink. And, and for me, I really feel like DevonThink, you get the most out of it if you're using it on both platforms. But, you know, hey, I mean, it's it's cool that, you know, it's powerful enough to, to do that. And, I mean, make no mistake, these developers, because I've had a chance to interact with them a bit now as I was developing this Field Guide, is these guys are really, like, they're in it to win it. I mean, they want to make the iPad version amazing. They're not just trying to like mail it in.
0: Yeah, and and it really is remarkable what you can do in this app. I do love the whole concept within DevonThink Think of having multiple databases, so you can yeah you can really organize your stuff how you want it, and the search is really great to find stuff. Uh, with the OCR, do you know on the iPad is there a way to just say OCR all my PDFs? Uh, so far, it's just. You know, one by one, you have to kind of select them and do it that way.
1: Yeah, I think it's just one by one at this point. I mean, this kind of gets back to the fundamental problems of programming apps for iPhone and iPad. The Apple has, like, a built-in kill switch on all of them. And, like, if it takes too much resources, if it's running too long, it just shuts it down. Because yeah apple wants their devices to have long battery life more than they want any app to be really powerful (laughs) right so i'm not sure that they can overcome that on the ipad uh but yeah they should ask uh, for the
0: entitlement to use 16 gigs of ram to do as much ocr as they can
1: yeah 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 so uh,
0: something i really love about your fuel guides is kind of how in depth you go with this stuff and finding things that you just wouldn't find otherwise like one example of this is um, adding to these links you get out of DevonThink Think this kind of like
1: extra bit to like go to a specific page or search term. Yeah. Is that yeah.
0: documentation or how did you discover that?
1: Um, you know, I don't remember how I first learned about that. But um, the, the feature describing like, for instance, a good example is a PDF. When you create a link in Devon, think it, I think it's buried in their documentation. I read all the documentation as I was prepping the field guide, so I must have got it from there. But but I've been using that trick for a while before I even started the field guide. But the um, if you go to a PDF, you can say what page you want to go to. Like if like the thing you really want to see is on page five, you can add you know, uh, hypertext to the end of your link and it'll, like, go to that page, which is kind of fun, you know? And that, again, all this stuff works cross-platform.
0: Yeah, and for that one, do you use, like, Keyboard Maestro or, like, a shortcut to make entering those uh, links easier to add that stuff to the link?
1: I could, but I just write you it. You just in. write it out so, you have numbers, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And for the web browser extensions, I know Safari has amazing stuff on the Mac and there's the Sheet extension, or action, I should say, on iPad yeah. and, and iPhone. Um, is this as powerful, or is there stuff that you kind of want to be brought over now that we have proper extensions for iOS?
1: Well, I mean, on the Mac, see, this is another example of a thing where I think the developers have their hands tied a bit on Mac versus iPad, because on the Mac, the menu bar application for DevonThink is actually a separate application as I understand it. So it's really powerful. I mean you can like record a movie and using their menu bar app and then embed it in your DevonThink database or a audio recording or there's like you can write a whole note out. I mean it basically you can it's almost like mini DevonThink in your menu bar and then it dumps whatever you create into your Dev and think database and it allows you to choose specifically in the database where it goes. So uh, the Mac version is very powerful, and that's because there's, like, no constraints on the development, you know? They can do whatever they want with a menu bar app on the Mac, whereas on the iPad and iPhone, it's more of a limited, you know, share sheet extension, and there's only so much you can do with share sheets. So the way I deal with that is I save share sheet extension stuff into the inbox of Devon Think, and then... I can do a couple things. I can go on my Mac and sort it and organize it and enhance it if I want. Um, but I also created a bunch of rules. Like I mentioned earlier, DevonThink has like this Hazel thing built into it where you can use um conditions to trigger actions. And the easiest way to do that is with tags. And you can add tags in DevonThink. So I could add one called, you know, Tim and iPad Pros and Anything that has the tag Tim and iPad Pros goes into my iPad Pros in you know, a grouping in DevonThink. Well, I set that up on my Mac, but so on my iPad, I would save something that Tim and I were talking about to the DevonThink inbox, and then I could go in DevonThink on my iPad and I could just add two tags, Tim and iPad Pros, and then my Mac is going to see those tags show up and it's going to file it for me. So I've kind of like back ended my way into automation using tags uh on the iPad. does that make sense? I know it's kind of complicated,
0: yeah. yeah, you're using the tags and then having the Mac kind of you know automate based on that stuff.
1: yeah, the tags are basically the triggers, yeah, and then the what I do with it is easy. It happens on the Mac, and I would like to see all that automation stuff come over to the um the iPad, but again there are certain limitations, you know? I mean, just the iPad is a very different device. All the things we love about iPad, the long battery life and the simplicity of it, um, that comes with a cost that the developers have to pay, you right? Know? They have to figure and solutions yeah, out that maybe. be... There's cluster. only so far they can go down that road before they hit roadblocks, whereas on the Mac, it's kind of like Wild West because it always has been Wild West. Yeah. And, and so you do get more power, which is kind of like... Kind of getting back to the beginning of the conversation, why I stopped fighting the iPad. I use the iPad for what it's good at. And if Apple decides one day they want to, like, take some of those roadblocks down, there are a lot of developers out there chomping at the bit to keep keep driving down the road, you know? So, yeah. um, but. I don't know when that that'll happen. So why do I keep you know trying to like come up with these crazy workflows to get around this? So I I'm just like okay, well I'm going to use the iPad for what it's good at, and and in Devon think it, it's great for capturing stuff with that share extension. It's not good at like processing that stuff. It's right. easier to do that on the Mac, and so I just do that.
0: Yeah, and uh, the iPad version and iPhone have this reading list feature. I'm not even sure if that's on the Mac version. Do you do much reading within DevonThink, and and has the reading list been something you've utilized?
1: Uh, Not not in the context of that reading list feature. I go through the the most research I do in DevonThink is on my iPad, not on my Mac, because it gets back to the same PDF problem we talked about earlier. A lot of the reading I do is PDFs. I just open them up on my iPad. They've got rudimentary PDF markup in there. But for most of my PDF markup, I just need highlight and a pen. And uh, you know, get my iPad out, sit in the couch, and I get to work.
0: Yeah. And how do you find the PDF marking up features within DevonThink? it's not.
1: They're it, not it, as good as yeah. They're not as good as a proper app. Absolutely. And it, and if it's something that okay. I need to like really work hard on, I will send it out to you know Scanner Pro or not Scanner Pro. Um, I PDF just Expert. PDF. Yes, PDF Expert is one, and then um, yeah, that's the primary one I use.
0: And with DevonThink... You show this really cool in the um, in the field guide of a Pages document that you can just open in Pages and it saves right back in Devontek, and, and that would yeah. behavior would be the same for PDFs, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: For those that are iPad only or most mostly iPad, uh, what parts of the field guide should people check out outside the mobile app section?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you would want to watch the beginning section that ex- kind of explains the philosophy behind. Devin, think so you can figure out how you're going to use it. Um, There's an entire section in there. I don't know offhand how long it is. I'm I'm pretty sure it's over an hour of material just on the iPad and iPhone. I put it all together so people who want to do mobile stuff can consume that. And then I would also recommend at least watching the backup section and you know just kind of data management stuff because. You know, running in a PDF or a, running a, a Dev and Think Library on iPad only, another concern I would have would be about backup. You don't really have a lot of um, of extra ways to, to get that data backed up. And usually people that use Dev and Think have pretty important data inside of it.
0: Yeah. Something kind of cool about the iPad and how it implements things, if you store everything locally, uh, in the Files app, you actually have access to all of those files, just as you would, I believe, in the Finder, where it's all locally and organized. Yeah. In a common sense way, and I, I think that's just brilliant.
1: Yeah, I do that with Obsidian because I'm a big Obsidian user too, and and Obsidian really pairs with Devonthink for me. Like, I don't do a lot of notes work in Devonthink. I do a lot of file work in Dev and Think and I do the notes in Obsidian. And with Obsidian because they have their own end-to-end encrypted sync service. The trick with that is that you store your DevonThink database or your vault, as they call it, on local storage on your iPad and your iPhone. You don't put it on iCloud, and that way it never hits a, uh, I guess what I'd call, you know, a non-encrypted cloud. Yeah. And then they pull the data from your local store. But then the fact that you've got it on your local data means that you have complete access to it. And like I can write a draft script that'll create a new note for Obsidian and just save it to my to the folder structure of obsidian and since they're just markdown files and obsidian sees it the next time i open it up
0: right yeah and with the backup a scenario so there's now icloud for syncing stuff back and forth and there's also separately an icloud backup within DevonThink. think um yeah. yeah and the icloud sync's been really rock solid for me
1: yeah how many folks are ipad only at this point that would use DevonThink? think you know i feel like there's a lot of ipad only people like my sister is an ipad only person but for her you know it is safari and email and you know photos and like her she's not a uh, a power user of of any computing device but that's what makes the ipad so perfect for her um i am curious how many people would be doing something like devin think on ipad only
0: yeah i'm probably one of the few i uh boot up my 10 year old 11 inch MacBook air for the sole purpose of downloading the free trial of Devon thing to import my Evernote database. <laughs> that's all I've used of the uh, Mac version
1: in quite a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to let me know where your friction points are. And, and frankly, you have to let the Devon thing developers know. I'm sure they'd be interested to hear.
0: Yeah. I'll for sure reach out to them and, and uh, let them know. Cause, uh, the iPad as a standalone app is, is really good. I do have to leave the app open to do initial syncs and, uh, the uh, data that was a part of your field guide uh, had the leave. just leave the app open for a while to do all this.
1: Yeah, that, that was, um, I think that's a, that's something I wanted to point out to people listening. If you want to do Dev and Think and you're coming from a Mac or just if you have a big database, um, the syncing is really good. I, I interviewed six power users at the end of the field guide, people who use Dev and Think and almost all of them are also using it on mobile. And one of my questions throughout was do you have any sync problems and nobody did um historically i did have sync problems like go back to version 2 of dev and think it was really hard but they've got like they've they put a lot of effort into making it better and now they have like cloud kit integration and and like basic syncing technology that works a lot better but that being said when you do that first sync like if you have a you know big Big database on your Mac, and the first time you drive that down to your iPad, uh, what I recommend is you put you know you put your iPad next to your Wi-Fi router and you plug <laughs> it in, and you go to bed, yep. and then and turn this
0: the l- screen to never fall asleep. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, and just let it do that you know overnight, and then it'll get it. And once it gets that first sync, and then it it's pretty stable. You know, I mean, it's not immediate if you add another you know. 50 megabytes of data you're not going to see it immediately on your ipad but it will get there
0: yeah and i had to grab something from uh thinking on my iphone that hadn't done any syncing yet so what i did i just turned on the one database that needed and i did the don't store files locally and then i could actually just find it and it would download it on the spot for me for uh trying to get something quickly
1: yeah, and that's another good piece of advice is only when you're doing those initial syncs, only do one database at a time so the system doesn't barf on you. And yeah. then, um, and that's actually another section I would recommend if you're an iPad only. Devin, thank you, sir. The field guide is the sync section. I did a whole section. I actually did a video on troubleshooting sync. I just went to the forums and looked at all the most common complaints people had about syncing and then found answers to them, and I made a video on that and added it to the, uh, to the sync section of the field guide.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a whole section on DevonThink links, which I think are super powerful and are yes, also an iPad
1: and would yeah. definitely
0: take a look at that as well.
1: Links to me are like the secret sauce of DevonThink that most people don't realize are there. Um, with Dev and Think, you can create a link to any file, on your Devonthink database. And this is particularly powerful for iPad users because on the Mac you can't I mean on the Mac really you you can't natively link to files. Like if you have a file on your Mac, how do you get a hyperlink to that file? There there's no way built into the operating system to do it. But there's a nice third-party app called Hook that'll do that for you. So let's say you've got a Omnifocus task about a contract. Well, if you have a Hook link, you can Put it in the task. Then you just tap the link, and then it opens the file for you, and uh, that's great. But that doesn't work on the iPad, right? I mean, right. there is no hook app. So when even though the link will come over in your OmniFocus database, you click it, it won't do anything. Whereas DevonThink can create a link to any file in the whole database. So. Whatever it is you're working on, you can create these links, and this kind of gets back to contextual computing for me. So a Devonthink link is superior to a Hook link in that um, it works on both iPad and Mac. So I can put a Dev and Think link to a, a client project I'm working on that I, of course, have to have in Devonthink, and, and then if I'm on my iPad and I'm in OmniFocus and I click the link, it opens up Devonthink and, and goes straight to that file, which is again contextual computing, getting you to where you need to go without putting you putting anything in the middle yeah
0: and it's and it's super convenient because you can also link to uh, databases like folders it's not just like yeah. a digital file if you want it to be
1: everything is linkable the Devon thing team just made everything linkable it's great and then like we we're talking about earlier you can even link to a specific page of that document or whatever if widgets came to ios ipad os from dev and think what would you want those to be i don't know that i'd want them to be honest with you okay <laughs> i mean i mean to, to me widgets are status board things i don't need to know how many files are in my dev and think i guess i would say most recently open files maybe yeah. would be okay but i don't even use the uh the files app you know widget i i just you know, to me, that's like, I don't want to be, that's not that useful of data to me when I glance at my iPad. So it doesn't get the precious on screen.
0: The secret tip of the files widget on iPad is if it's stuff that's downloaded onto your iPad, you can actually drag those files. From the widget to say email or some other place, so it's it's kind of like a mini uh, desktop for iPad. (laughs) If it's yeah, that's true, yeah, yeah. And then there's labels and there's also tags. Um, Yeah,
1: I know. There's there's so many and there's stars and there's flags and there's they have like eight kinds of metadata. (laughs) (laughs) And I think what happened was, you know, people say, "Well, I would like to to have flags, or I would like to have labels," and I think (laughs) the developers like. We're going to make everybody happy, and uh, I use tags. That is my almost fundamental metadata system for DevonThink. Think. Occasionally, I use the flagging uh, to just get a couple things that I need to have immediate access to, but those are temporary in my mind. Um, I don't use labels at all, and um, so I, I guess you just got to kind of pick your your metadata.
0: Yeah, yeah, because if you use too many, it might be like, Whoa, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah,
1: well, some people do find uses for them all, like. Uh, you know, I hear from people who are like doing their PhD thesis, and they are like using the heck out of DevonThink, and, and they've got like everything dialed in. Another thing I cover in the field guide is you can create custom metadata. Like, I have a custom metadata field for an OmniFocus link, you know, to an OmniFocus project, mm-hmm. and one for an Obsidian link to because like for all my projects, there's a page in Obsidian and there's a project in OmniFocus, and so I just made custom metadata in DevonThink so I can jump. To the the task list or the project page right out of DevonThink. And, and then of course I make links back to DevonThink on those pages. So everything is connected. I've built like a super app, you <laughs> yeah. know. It's Obsidian for notes, Omnifocus for tasks, and DevonThink and for files and you know, and everything connects. It's just awesome. And but that was an example of creating your own custom metadata field.
0: Yeah. So uh, multiple windows support is on the iPad version. Um, so, you could be like reading a document, taking notes in another window. Um, yeah. Is this something you do either on the Mac or iPad, having multiple Dev and Think windows open and looking at stuff?
1: The only time I find myself doing that is on the Mac when I'm processing inbox stuff. Sometimes I'll open two or three uh, Dev and Think windows so I can see other things at the same time. But largely, I like to focus just on one thing at a time.
0: Gotcha. For automation, so it's largely lacking within DevonThink for iPad. But there are kind of shortcut actions. Have you yeah. found many uses of those shortcut actions, or are you mainly sticking with what's done on the Mac? Yeah,
1: I don't do a lot with shortcuts. I, I really have, because maybe this is a bias of mine, because I'm using it both on Mac and I, I, iOS devices, that I have just kind of made all the automation run on the Mac. And I just find that more stable. You know, kind of gets back to that, you know. Um, wild west of the Mac, where that automation on the Mac is absolutely going to run, because I'm never going to have a timeout from the app or any unexpected problem that the operating system, you know, results from an operating system limitation. So I try to keep it on the Mac. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, kind of the Mac's kind of like your. DevonThink server, almost.
1: Yeah, and and also, I mean, I do consume a lot of DevonThink data on the iPad, if that makes sense, you (laughs) know, like editing PDFs, reviewing things. But like the mechanical work of DevonThink, I largely do on the Mac.
0: Gotcha. And and DevonThink has this ability to replicate files. So if you have a single file, you can have it in multiple places in your database. Uh, Is that something you find useful?
1: Yeah, so you can have it either make like a version of it where it all references back to a single version, or you can have multiple copies. Um, and it's for me it just depends on what I'm doing. Like with for legal work, sometimes I'll have a contract that I need to review, and I don't replicate, I actually copy it because then I start making changes to different versions and then i use a feature in DevonThink think that lets me make notes on each version so i can see what it was i did you know, like a little note to myself it, it does it gets hidden it doesn't get um hmm. transferred yeah. with the file um, so I, I don't do a lot of replicant work because of the way I use DevonThink, Think, but I mean, if especially if you have really large files, like if you had a big media file, there's no reason to have five copies of it in your 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 database. You just put you just put links to it or replicants of it um, in de- various areas, and you can you can watch it anywhere and just have one source file.
0: And then smart groups are on iOS on the Mac. Can yeah. You make your own custom smart groups. Is that the big difference there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean. Again, the automation stuff is just—it's just so much easier for them to do it on the Mac. And how do you find yourself using smart groups, uh, or do you? I should say, um, I usually put them together as needed. You know, like if I need to put together—like this is another good example of tags. Like if I needed to find like all of the stuff I'd done with iPad Pros in the last three years, I can put together a smart group that time limits to three years and looks for the iPad Pros tag. And then it saves me the trouble. Like another example of smart groups is I have a smart group that looks for anything that doesn't have OCR done to it. And then I can run OCR on it. Um, it's just, you know, I, I put together and break apart smart groups all the time for custom uses. It's just like you would do in the Finder, honestly. Yeah. that That's very similar.
0: And, you know, with live text on iPadOS, I'm curious if like, Developers can integrate in that way, and using Live Text or if their custom OCR engine will be the way forward with all this.
1: It's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, that's a I, I guess, right? Live text. I mean, Live Text does not, as I understand it, act, create a proper OCR file. It just gives you the text when you view the file. Okay. Whereas, is it mainly whereas just Oc- images at this point? Well, I mean, it could work on a page, I believe. But, I mean, when you OCR a file, it actually embeds the text as a layer in the PDF file where you could actually go in and edit that text later if you wanted. And so when you open a PDF that has OCR, not only do you see the image of the OCR, there's also a piece of that file that is the text of the file. Hmm. Yeah. And then it's just laying that on top as you go through and highlight and select it. And um as I understand live text is n- more immediate but less permanent, if right. that makes sense. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So in this process of deep diving into Devin thing for this field guide, did you discover new ways you yourself will be using the app, or is it just kind of Yeah, of, of course,
1: yeah. of course. I mean, <laughs> I was already using it. I, I don't do field guides uh, speculatively. speculatively. only pick pick that that love love and. And, uh, But then, you know, when I make a field guide, I try to go really soup to nuts. I mean, the goal for me with a field guide is that someone who has never used the app can become a power user from this course, but also somebody who's been using the app for years will learn new things from this course. And so I have to be very thorough, and that's why they end up being so long, you know. I think this one ended up something like eight hours, and people are telling me, well, I didn't buy it because it's too long. And I'm like, yeah, it cost (laughs) myself money, right? You know, but... But it's, it's really written in a way that and put together in a way that you don't have to watch the whole thing. Just go to the sections you want to see. But everything's there. And uh, but the, my effort to try and satisfy those two itches, you know, the 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 neophyte to expert person and the the power user to expert person, I need to really put a lot of a lot of material in. But yeah, I always learn things. It's great. I mean, it's so fun. You know. Uh, especially working with apps that, that are really powerful, made by people that are trying to, to really make your life better. I like sharing that information with folks. I mean, it's uh, very rewarding to me to hear back from people who are now using DevonThink to to do something amazing.
0: It's very cool. And anything else about DevonThink? Uh, we didn't cover that like to before we
1: wrap it up. Uh, no, I mean, it's, the field guide is out there. So if you go to learn.maxsparky.com, there's a bunch of field guides there. I'm going to make one, uh, a $5 discount code for the thing field guide. It, it's going to be iHeartTim. So, Excellent. Uh, but just spell that out, a- H-E-A-R-T-T-I-M, no spaces. You okay. iHeartTim. And uh, I'll put $5 off so you Sweet. guys can get that. Leave that up for like a month. So if you guys are interested, check it out. Um, but uh you know, has a 30 day return policy if you don't like it. And, um, it is really, uh, these field guides for me are the best thing of my life that I create. You know, I feel like it's really, like I said, I really get good feels from putting them out in the world and, and helping people get better at this stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. And I've really liked going through the field guide myself, uh, for the interviews, I actually, uh, through that video into Ferrite and just export the audio while I was at work just listening to it and that was a good way to consume, consume that. I should probably go back and look at what they were showing me in those videos.
1: Yeah, that was a new feature this year. Is I'm going to be doing that with future field guides to what I call power user interviews where I talk to people who are really getting a lot out of it and I had I had some well-known nerds, people that make podcasts and whatnot, but I also had some people that are like just like PhD students showing how they're using Dev and Think and it was real fun seeing um, that everybody uses Dev and think differently, and I think that 's one of the things you have to realize about that app is you get to bend it to your will, you know you get to make it work the way you want it to work, just like we were talking about earlier there 's so many different kinds of metadata. Um, as a user, you can find your way. And at the end, you're going to have a way of using the app that probably nobody else does, but it works for you.
0: Yeah, I liked one person you had on was like all into notes within Dev and Think, which is something that I would really need to uh, yeah. learn to love because uh, the notes
1: experience, it's,
0: it's very basic, but uh, it's cool yeah. that you had that. Broad background uh,
1: for the well, device. I would I, I would add to that. I feel like the notes is it, my vote for the Devon Think team is work on the notes implementation for iPad. I feel like that is where it's weak. It could be so much better. And um, I mean, for me, I use Obsidian for notes, so it's not that big of a deal. But I, I feel like their notes implementation on mobile could definitely be better.
0: Yeah, and it'd be interesting. It'd be a ton of work, probably to do like a good notes or notability yeah. type of interface for ipad uh for students but that i don't know if that'd be worth their time or not but that'd be kind of interesting yeah yeah agreed so um where can people find the devon think uh field guide
1: yeah just go to learn.maxsparky.com it's there and my main website is maxsparky.com so you can go to either one of those and you'll find links to it and um it's uh it's all there. Like I said, I heart Tim. Get you $5 off. I'll put that up as soon as I hang up here today.
0: Cool. Thank you so much, David. And yeah, check out uh, Mac Power Users. You guys just had an excellent uh, iPad workflows episode that uh, I-, I
1: checked out and was really uh, well worth a listen there. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It's exciting times right now. Apple is really clicking on all cylinders. The Mac is finally, you know, kind of healing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yep. The iPad is getting good. The Mac OS has got, uh, or the iPad OS is a separate fork now. So I'm hoping that you know, results in a lot of things. Um, I really like, you know, I know that they didn't add a lot with uh, iOS 15, but I do think the iPad is a lot more usable for a lot more folks with the little, you know, uh, sharing button and the, um, the windowing modes that they've got now. So I, I really think that they're probably on the right track. I I just wish they would let, you know, unleash the iPad a little more, but you know, I guess we got to just be patient. Be patient. One step at a time. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you,
0: David. I really appreciate
1: it. Thanks, Tim. I really uh, appreciate you having me on today.
0: Well, that was my discussion with David Sparks. My thanks again to David for his time recording this episode. And make sure to check out his Devon Think field guide and free webinar coming up all about focus mode. As a reminder, I'm selling my brand new Series Five Forty Four 44mm gold stainless steel watch with the Melanie's Loop. If you're interested, please reach out to me at podcast at gmail.com. With that... I'll talk to everyone again real soon. Thanks for listening.